This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce, and as always, I am joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm good, Bryce. I'm uh, excited for this episode. Uh, we are bringing back an industry deep dive. Yeah, we haven't done one in a while. Yeah, yeah. And it's an industry that... Um, you know, we are interested in, but probably haven't spoken a lot about on the show. Um, everyone loves tech. Um, yes. Yeah, we speak about tech a lot. Um, you know, but tech is selling off a little bit recently. Uh, a few people are a bit nervous. Uh, extremely high valuations um, that, you know, everything needs to go right to justify some of them. And so we're going to the opposite end of the market and we're saying, you know, Basically, every asset class is at an all-time high. Um, there's some risk. Look, I'm getting a bit nervous, um, and you've been a perma bear for the last what four years, five years, calling a, a bear market every year. Uh, I, 2021 might be the year that I become the the bear and get a bit nervous. And so, the industry we're going to talk about today is on the more defensive side, yeah. um, and may help calm my uh, my nerves. Yeah, this is right up your alley. Is it? <laughs> well, anyway, uh, without further ado, the uh, the industry that we're going to be talking about today is infrastructure. So infrastructure. Investing in infrastructure. And uh, Bryce and I had a, had a bit, bit of a debate around what even is infrastructure. So we'll be getting into all of that, how you can invest in it, what it is. Um, but before we do, a bit of housekeeping. And I can see Bryce is playing with his phone there and he's very excited <laughs> yeah, I'm to just... talk about a particular stock. <laughs> so I'm going to shut up and let you have your moment. Uh, well, I'm just looking here. But anyway, uh, first point of housekeeping, Ren, is the listener st- survey is uh, still active. Yes. So please, if you haven't already, head to our uh, social media channels and there's going to be some links in our Instagram bio uh, or on our Facebook discussion group where you can fill out our listener survey. And if you do complete it in full, you go in the running to win $500. It'll really help us understand what we're doing well at Equity Mates, what we could be doing better and to help provide content that is uh, going to help you on your investing journey. So please head over and uh, and fill that out. Yeah. A, a few of the responses so far asking for crypto content. Um, we We've got a crypto email. That's where we're putting all our crypto content. Uh, at this stage, we're not uh, going to do a spin-off podcast. But you know, if that's if that's what you want, keep sending those suggestions in. If you don't want it, make sure you fill out the survey uh, so you can counter the weight of crypto requests coming through. Yes. Um, but yeah, we you know we do this for the Equity Mates community, um, and you know we hope that you guys get something out of it and 
so tell us what you want us to do more of and what you want us to do less of. Second piece of housekeeping, Ren, before we do jump into this is uh, I just want to uh, touch base on the stock of the year. You would know that, uh, well, for those that have been with us for a while, at the start of the year, we um, both put forward our stock pitches and uh, Alec put forward Tencent and I uh, went a bit off piste and chose a stock that hasn't actually actually listed. listed. Yeah, Yeah, hadn't actually listed. Uh, And that was Roblox. It has listed overnight through a direct listing in the United States. It didn't actually IPO. It kind of snuck on mid-session. Um, and it's now uh, trading at about 69 bucks, I think. To be honest, I'm not sure what it listed at. But uh, anyway, I'm active now, Ren. Well, yeah. And the thing is, direct listings are... There's no like IPO price yeah. that like, the, the level sets. It's just like... Stock chart, stock starts trading at a certain time and the market sets the price. Yeah. Um, but I think the report was that it was up 55% from where it first traded to the end of the session. From where it first traded end of the session, market cap of $38 billion. It is the fastest growing computer game in the world at the moment. And uh, yeah, look, we're both live now. It is up, yeah, 54%. Um, so you're beating me. Uh, Tencent was up about 30%. Uh, it's now up 15%. 30%, nice. Yeah. So, not well, I mean, for new equity mates, my history in this <laughs> yeah. competition has been. You'd normally abysmal. be down 60. <laughs> Honestly, it's like the kiss of death if I pick you as the stock of the year. So. Hopefully, Tencent keeps its head above water. Roblox, very strong start. Will it hold? Will it hold? Will it hold? Um, I'm nervous. But anyway, look, we're both live. That's the main thing. Um, let's see how it goes. But let's move on to, I guess, what is the the topic of the day, and that is a deep dive into infrastructure. Yeah, let's do it. So, let's, let's start with what is infrastructure, I guess. Um, we were having a bit of a debate about, about what it was. Um, were we? Yeah, do you not remember? <laughs> no. We we well, I I I started by saying you know it's things like uh, you know like the companies are like Transurban, Sydney Airport, and then you you were like Sydney Airport is an infrastructure, and and then you were talking about like the material companies that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I was coming at it from an investment play, and I can see. Um, well, let's get into this, but well, that's what we're doing. We're getting into it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can. I. I think that when I think about investing in infrastructure, there's two ways to do it. There is the transurban way, uh, which is obviously obviously building infrastructure and owning infrastructure. Yeah, owning and operating owning, infrastructure. Owning and operating infrastructure. Um, you classify airpo- uh, airports in that, which of course. obviously <laughs> ports. Uh, but then also I think if, if you know the government was to come out and spend a lot of money on infrastructure projects, there are a lot of fringe companies that you can invest in that will benefit from the spending of infrastructure. So when I think about it from that point of view as well, it's the building of infrastructure yeah, yeah, yeah. as well that you can... So you're thinking like the borals and the... The concrete companies, yeah, yeah, the yeah. construction companies, the surveyors of land, yeah. all those uh, businesses that benefit from infrastructure projects, not only those that own and, and uh, operate infrastructure. Yeah, so... Uh I get what you're saying. I would say that's the construction industry, not the not infrastructure. Yeah, I yeah. mean, <laughs> I'm not saying that they fall in the industry, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's uh, it can be they are an infrastructure play. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so for this for this uh, episode, when we're talking about infrastructure, I think we're going to use my definition. 
Okay, so uh, what is infrastructure then, uh, at least for this episode? Well, I mean, I'm going to read uh, something that Macquarie wrote. Okay. Because if we're not stealing from experts, what are we doing? Um, <laughs> there's no points for originality in investing. So per Macquarie, infrastructure provides essential products or services which are necessary to support economic and social activity. Infrastructure typically has strong strategic position, i.e. a monopoly or a duopoly. This is because significant capital is usually required to construct the assets, resulting in high barriers to entry for would-be competitors. And there's a few other things that we can add to that. But And by the way, Macquarie is one of the biggest uh, infrastructure players in the world. <laughs> I love the idea that you can't have credibility in defining it unless you own a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, well, I imagine if... Yeah, true. But yeah, I think so... It's probably best explained through examples. It's like, so electricity, water, gas utilities, energy pipelines, airports, somewhat controversially, <laughs> but we won't worry about that. Uh, this is all, uh, yeah, toll roads, uh, seaports, communications infrastructure. Um, what so, about a wind farm? Well, this is, a, this is an interesting one. Would you say a coal-fired power station is, is infrastructure or is it like electricity? Is it energy generation? Uh, could be both. Yeah. And then like data centers? Um, again, I mean, you could be both. Yeah. So I th- think uh, the point is there are some things that we know are just naturally infrastructure, like a toll road just makes sense. Um, and then there are some which are infrastructure in the, the most natural sense of the word, you know, like the big capital intensive assets that that are built by, you know, governments or the private sector that have long lives um, and that in theory, provide a long-term stable revenue source. From an investment perspective, there's a few things that uh, infrastructure is is really useful for. And some of those uh, edge cases like wind farms and data centers don't quite fit it as well. So like, I mean, let's, let's talk um, about why you would invest in infrastructure. Um, so high capital costs, like they're very expensive to build. And then your classic examples of infrastructure have local monopolies. So mm. Sydney Airport was, well, is still the only airport in town. Um, some of Transurban's toll roads, uh, you know, it's not like another toll road can be built next door. Mm-hmm. Um, the Port of Sydney, um, you know, the Port of Newcastle, like they own local monopolies. You can't just set up a startup yeah, port next hard door. hard to compete with. Um, so the, the combination of high capital costs and local monopolies create these high barriers to entries, which make them very defensible assets. So as an investor, you can invest in them and you can enjoy long-term predictable cash flow and there's pricing power because of those high barriers to entry. And so you can increase prices with inflation. So yeah. think about toll roads you know we just interviewed an expert who was talking about transurban's tolls being nine dollars on a road yeah crazy they can increase prices with inflation and so getting back to the wind farms and the data centers point it's like some of the elements of infrastructure from an investment lens are there with those assets capital intensive capital intensive long-term pretty stable and predictable cash flows but at the same time, some of them aren't there. So like... Anyone data, can set up a data center. Data center contracts are relatively short term. Anyone can set up a competing data mm. center. Wind farms, same thing. So yes, they are infrastructure. Like if you went to the Department of Planning or Infrastructure Australia or you went to Scott Morrison, of course, wind farms and 
data centers would fall under his definition of infrastructure. As an investor, you can definitely invest in them and some of those companies are killing it at the moment. Um, But in terms of the key characteristics you're looking for when you're talking about investing in infrastructure, um, some of them are there, some of them aren't. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, we speak about companies with moats and uh, if you're looking at true infrastructure play, you know, a lot of these companies have pretty sizable moats, as you've already pointed out, the transurbans, the Sydney airports, uh, starting up uh, the barriers of entry are are pretty high. So if if you want a good example of a a strong moat, then uh, have a look at these companies. But on the flip side, Ren, um, at the same time, due to, I guess, the the essential need for a lot of these infrastructure companies and, and developments, government does play a pretty a hands-on role compared to some of the other investments we can make. Yes. Um, and that sort of can have impact. It can, it can. I mean, in both the positive and the negative sense. So, I mean, the role of government is huge in infrastructure for mm. obvious reasons. Uh, the biggest one being they build a lot of it. Yeah. Either the government builds it themselves or these days you see a lot of public-private Contract. partnerships yeah. where you know the government and Transurban work together to build a toll road or something like that. So due to the nature like the nature of these services like electrical utilities, water utilities, like they're like key services. So the government heavily regulates them, which in one sense can be bad for investors, probably good for society, definitely good for society. Yeah, yeah. But as for investors it means sometimes, you know, there's limits on how much you can raise prices, um, and stuff like that. On the flip side, though, sometimes the best monopoly can be a government-enforced monopoly. Like, if if you're the uh, the electrical utility or if you're Sydney Water, um, you can't ha- you're not threatened by a rival water utility mm. that thinks they can be more efficient and offer customers lower prices because, like, the government protects your water utility monopoly. Now, they're not privatised, I don't believe, but, like, if, if they were, then, yeah. I think a lot of the UK's water utilities are privatised at the moment mm. um, and it's, yeah, but they're still protected by the government. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, government plays a massive role. Um, I think I think let's, before we just get too messy, let's just structure this. So we've talked about what is infrastructure. Uh, we've talked about um, some of the reasons you would invest in the gov- role of government, but let's just like quickly tick off uh, maybe why... It's, it's an interesting asset class to invest in, some of the risks, then talk about the industry outlook and then talk about some of the ways you can actually invest. Sure. So let's start with uh, why you would actually invest. Like why is it an interesting asset class? Uh, long-term, uh, stable, relatively. Yeah. As you've already pointed out, it uh, also provides uh, opportunity to have that sort of government protection, so to speak. And... In some, well, most instances, they provide a good uh, return or income, similar to a bond. People would mm. equate them to a bond in the sense that you put them in for a long period of time and they'll just continue to tick over and, and pay out a dividend. Yeah, yeah. Massive dividend payers. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like you, you, everyone talks about like stocks and bonds, like stocks being income, stocks being more growth. Infrastructure probably sits squarely between those two. Like it provides more income than a bond. Yeah. Um, and it has less risk than equities. Yeah. But also less growth. Yeah. Yeah. 
What about from your point of view, anything that I missed? No, I think that's the main thing. I, I think, you know, the the interplay of, and we can talk about this more later, but the interplay of inflation and interest rates and in, the valuation on infrastructure assets is really interesting um, and it will probably become quite relevant. But in terms of why you might look at infrastructure in a inflationary environment is if these assets have local monopolies they can increase their prices like if sydney airport started charging Qantas more money to uh every time they wanted to land a plane or a taxi a plane what are Qantas gonna do yeah 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 so uh we pulled a quote from magellan uh, about how they sort of speak about uh infrastructure and they say that it is an appealing asset class when strictly defined it delivers stable inflation-linked returns above those offered by inflation-linked bonds with risk below that of equities. So pretty much exactly what you've just said. Actually, we've gone this whole episode without talking about Warren Buffett. One of his most famous quotes, uh, his favorite investment uh, would be the only toll bridge into town. There you go. Yeah. Well, he owns a railroad. He He does. Energy (laughs) and uh, what's his other big insurance? uh, insurance? Yeah, not not quite, but... He's got a big infrastructure play there, but yeah, I think I think like people conceptually get it. Like, um, y- you, it's like it's roads, it's bridges, it's airports, <laughs> it's ports. Like, it, it's those big pieces of infrastructure. Um, so they're the reasons why you would invest it. Let's quickly touch on the risks and then take a break. Sure. So the first, uh, I, I guess, the first risk is is uh, it boring? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to own a road? It is. It is quite boring. Yeah. There's, but there is nothing wrong with that. I should caveat that. There's, I, I say that just because it's not like investing in the the growth tech stocks, but they do certainly play a very important role in portfolios. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the biggest risk is like, what's your investing goals? Like, if you're 20 and and you want to, you know, grow and become a millionaire, like it's low growth. I think, um, and some of these companies find a way to engineer growth by like buying more assets and stuff like that. But um, each each piece of infrastructure in and of itself is is low growth. Yeah. Another risk to my mind is that they often get valuations wrong. So in theory, valuing a piece of infrastructure is conceptually straightforward because it's you can figure out the life of an asset, you can figure out how many people are going to use it, how many customers, whatever, um, and then how they're going to be charged for that. Or you can figure out like what the government's going to pay the utility, and then you just do a discounted cash flow, uh, and you know you factor in any capital costs for maintenance and stuff like that. But people often get valuations of infrastructure wrong. You know, government massively overestimate how many people are going to use it yeah. and stuff like that. So, I mean, we're not in a position to buy infrastructure ourselves. We're not going to be dropping fifty billion on the port of Sydney or whatever. Maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> but um, that's something. You know, if you're investing in a fund, you're going to hope that you've got to hope they're good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and uh, have a look at the industry outlook for infrastructure. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So uh, the industry outlook, Ren, um, obviously with a lot of uh, COVID sort of spending coming through from big governments at the moment, uh, infrastructure is always where governments turn generally to try and boost economy, pour money into the building of new roads, new, yep. new railways, yep. new ports. So it's it's no surprise that we're sort of starting to see that at the moment. And the supply and demand dynamic uh, for infrastructure is, is pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's start with the supply. So the amount of infrastructure being built or being made available to invest in. You're right, like let's build our way out of a recession is is classic classic um watch there, utopia on abc yeah. <laughs> to get a, to get an insight into how that all works <laughs> there was a there was a running joke uh when trump was in office that um he was uh about to do infrastructure week and it was like it was the fir- one of the first things on his agenda the wall yeah well <laughs> yeah that is that infrastructure uh let's not go down that <laughs> let's not go down that rabbit hole um when Steve Bannon, uh, first thing he wanted to do was infrastructure because he thought it would bring the, uh, both sides of America together, fix their crumbling infrastructure, big win, trillion dollar infrastructure package. Four years, the administration kept saying it's about to be infrastructure week, we're about to do it. Never happened. Now Biden is talking about doing a trillion dollar plus infrastructure package, same thing. I mean, he, he probably can stay focused longer than <laughs> yeah. so, Likely to get it done. But yeah, so the US are probably going to do a big infrastructure bill soon. A lot of the rest of the world are probably going to do something similar to stimulate the economy. You know, China's building. Um, we're seeing iron ore prices rise on the back of demand for more steel and stuff like that. So the world, the world is getting ready to build. McKinsey did a study and suggest the world needs to spend 5.5 trillion US dollars to upgrade infrastructure. KPMG did a study and suggested that Asian uh, developing Asian countries need to spend 1.7 trillion a year for the next decade to maintain growth and uh, tackle to poverty. maintain GDP growth. Yeah, 1.7 trillion. Yeah, per wow. Year. And so per year. Yeah, over the next decade. Jeez. Yeah. So it's just like um, that's not good. There's a there's a feeling that we should build to stimulate growth out of COVID, and there's also a need, need to build. Yeah. Like, you know. Italy had the bridge collapse. The U.S. infrastructure is crumbling. Like, there's a lot of need to build more infrastructure. So, on the supply side, the I guess the the need to build more infrastructure is one thing. The other thing to think about when we're thinking about industry dynamics is privatization mm. of infrastructure, um, and that's been what the last thirty years in Australia we've privatized a lot of infrastructure, um, ports, rail. Oz Post is on the chopping block. Not infrastructure, though. <laughs> Telstra? Telstra, maybe. Maybe telecoms. Maybe. I mean, yeah, like some commu- like NBN is infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's infrastructure. I, I like don't Telstra. I don't Telstra. know. Yeah. I, I, don't think, I don't think so. It does pay a dividend anyway. So, um, so that's the supply side. Yeah. And 
so yeah, the, on the supply side, there's a need to build. There likely will be more building. Things will get privatized, although we've privatized a lot already. They want and New South Wales want to privatize the buses. Infrastructure yeah. or not infrastructure? Not infrastructure. <laughs> not infrastructure. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, let's talk about demand. Yeah. So you've just said Ren that 1.7 trillion per year needs to be spent, and there's obviously that's the supply side. But where is all of this money coming from? Is there a desire to spend this? Or is there demand to actually do it? Yeah, well, I was thinking about demand in a different way. I was thinking okay. about demand in terms of investment demand. Okay, which I'm sure there is plenty of, given the Canadian pension yeah, funds of yeah, the yeah, world, yeah. Well, that's exactly the, no- the Norwegian... Where, that's exactly where my mind went as well, Canadian pension funds. Yeah. Not not any other country's pension funds, yeah. Canadian pension <laughs> funds. <laughs> well, they're spending billions and billions yeah, and billions yeah. in this space. Yeah. Um, there is a, there's money everywhere yeah. and... Obviously, these huge pension funds around the world no longer can be looking at the investments in the the Woolworths and the Coles of the world because they just can't spend enough money and uh, infrastructure projects are where they can turn to spend money and invest and um, support these sorts of projects. So, I'm assuming that's what you mean by demand. Yeah. There's just massive pools of capital chasing long-term, stable, inflation-protected investments. Yeah. Canadian pension funds, Australian super funds, private equity. There's just so much capital in the world at the moment and capital so mobile now that, you know, it's truly borderless. Like, you know, it's there's ASX-listed companies that operate roads in the US and stuff like that. Um, it's just, you know, everyone's looking for places to park their money and you're right, like rather than trying to put it all into large cap stocks, like the amount of money that these pension funds, superannuation funds and stuff are looking to spend, infrastructure is a real natural home for them. Yeah. And so when we're talking about the supply and demand dynamics of infrastructure, Magellan did a really interesting piece on the UK water utilities and the valuations that they're getting because there's a couple that are uh, two I think two that are publicly listed and then a bunch that are, are private but have had transactions um, and the private ones which in theory should be valued cheaper than the publicly listed ones because there's an like an illiquidity discount like it's harder to buy and sell it so the value should be less in theory they would like being bought and sold for so much higher than their publicly listed peers just because there's so much money chasing, you know, stable long-term mm. infrastructure assets. Mm. So if you have a super fund in Australia, if you have a 401k in the US, if you have any form of retirement saving around the world, you're probably exposed to infrastructure yeah. through through these retirement funds. Yeah, or the big investment banks. So Let's move on and, and uh, close out the episode with obviously the most important piece, Ren, as uh, retail investors, how can one actually get involved in infrastructure and what are the investment options? Yes. Obviously, Sydney Airport. SYD, <laughs> <laughs> S- uh, I'm pretty Bryce, sure is the ticker. Yeah, Bryce's gusto for this episode has been so low ever since... Uh, he realised that he might have to acknowledge that Sydney Airport is infrastructure. Yes. <laughs> um, at a high level, I think the options are infrastructure stocks themselves. Um, we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, then there's infrastructure unit trusts, listed infrastructure funds, so like LICs that yep. invest in infrastructure, unlisted infrastructure funds, 
Um, so you got to go then, through the big banks to to get that the investment. Yeah, banks, or, or like um, Magellan has one, but theirs might be listed now as well. Uh, yeah, theirs is listed. I'm pretty sure Macquarie have a bunch of infrastructure, yeah, yeah. unlisted infrastructure stuff. Um, Osbill, you know, we've spoken to Tobias Bucks, who's a small caps manager there, but they have infrastructure funds. Mm-hmm. There's a heap mm-hmm. out there. Um, and then there's there's a bunch of other unlisted ones. Then there's also a few ETFs. So I, I went on the ASX website and they've got a page uh, that lists all of their, for some reason they call them infrastructure funds, but like it's just their actual stocks. It's not like LICs included. Oh, so we'll, we'll take that up with the ASX. <laughs> <laughs> so seven uh, ASX listed infrastructure companies, um, Transurban, Actually, and you know what? I'm pretty sure there's more that I can think of. Like, they've got Sydney Airport listed, but they don't have Auckland International Airport. Oh, hold on. So Maybe Sydney's uh, <laughs> not meant to be on there. <laughs> we'll, we'll take it up with the ASX one way <laughs> yeah, or we'll. another. Uh, but according to ASX, the seven that they've got listed are Transurban Group, uh, ASX Ticket, TCL, Sydney Airports, uh, SYD, Spark Infrastructure Group, SKI, Atlas, Ateria, ALX, Infogen Energy, IFN, Osnet Services, AST, and APA Group, APA. So there are a few of the individual companies that you can invest in. Obviously, Transurban and um, arguably Sydney Airport are the the biggest two. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, arguably. (laughs) Arguably. Now, we'll uh, make sure we've got those in the show notes. I've just uh, thrown them down in our notes now. So if you did want to have a quick squeeze at what we've just spoken about there, so they'll be, yeah. they'll be in there. Yeah, so they're the individual companies. There's also some uh, ETFs and funds. This list is by no means exhaustive, but um, uh, ETFs, Global Core Infrastructure, Ticket Core is Classic. an ETF. VanEck, uh, FTSE, Global Infrastructure, Ticket IFRA. Another ETF, Vanguard, has a Global Infrastructure Index, uh, VBLD. Um, Magellan have a listed infrastructure fund, MICH. Basically, there's a bunch. Then there's also companies that are just heavily exposed to infrastructure like Macquarie and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, Macquarie did have a listed infrastructure uh, vehicle, didn't they? But it, from what I could tell, it's no longer listed. Publicly listed. Yeah. I'm actually not sure. And then, of course, Ren, you can't uh, forget, as I said right at the start, if you think about it in a little bit of a different way and, and you want to take advantage of the... Uh, infrastructure spending that is going on think about the companies that will be exposed to that spending it's your construction companies as we said at the start of the uh, episode so um, don't just limit yourself to thinking uh, direct infrastructure play but they don't have the same characteristics that we've obviously just spoken about that's the main thing to remember Uh, quickly to close out Ren do you own any infrastructure Uh, yes I bought some Sydney airports uh, well do I own infrastructure? I'll leave that up to you. But <laughs> I, bought, I bought some Sydney Airport uh, at the depths or like as, as COVID started to recover. Yeah. Uh, I don't own any Transurban. I own Macquarie like, Group, like Macquarie, the, yeah, the yeah. parent bank. Um, and I own Magellan Group. So I guess there's some exposure to the performance performance of infrastructure. Um <laughs> But yeah, not heaps. Yeah, same. Uh, don't have Sydney Airport because it's not an infrastructure play. <laughs> and uh, um, but I do have Macquarie. But otherwise, uh, look, I've in, I've enjoyed uh, doing this because something I haven't really paid it too much uh, sort of research attention to. I think primarily because of the function of infrastructure within a portfolio. 
and for what I'm trying to get out of my portfolio, I don't think it plays a huge part yeah. at this stage in my investing journey. Yeah, like if you were if you were moving to from like grow what do they call it accumulation yeah, phase accumulation. to uh, retirement Survival. phase or whatever, <laughs> like uh, then when income becomes more important. Uh, infrastructure probably plays a bigger role. But, well, actually, I was going to ask you this. How do you think about infrastructure in terms of diversification? Like if I own a bunch of ASX 200 stocks and then I own some infrastructure stocks, am I diversified? Or am I more diversified? Honestly, if we're talking Australia and you own ASX 200, you're going to get all the infrastructure players anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, more, it's okay, the question was poor. That's on me. It's more like, do you think of infrastructure... As a separate asset class. I know what you're getting at. Um, it, it, yes. In, yeah. yeah, I do. I, in, in the way that it functions in a portfolio and the way that people, the reasons that people buy it and the, the reasons we've spoken about in this episode, the characteristics of it and why it is generally seen as that middle ground between a, a bond and an equity in some, yeah, it's a, it's its own sort of, pseudo asset mm. class yeah yeah in some ways it moves differently it's uncorrelated to stocks in some ways then there's this whole uh interest rates inflation and infrastructure discussion that yeah. i'm guessing you don't want me to get into no 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 we've reached <laughs> the end we've reached the end of the episode Ren. i'm sorry i'm gonna have to cut i'm gonna have to cut you off there but uh if you'd like to hear more from Ren, um i'll give you his mobile number <laughs> and you can give him a call uh Look, very quickly, infrastructure is, uh, it has pricing power, so it's inflation protected. But if interest rates rise, cost of capital increases and uh, returns on a relative basis compared to like bond yields and stuff also changes. That nice. was my 25 words or less. Jeez, I don't think I've ever heard you do that. <laughs> but uh, look, that does bring us to the end of the episode. Um, I hope you've managed to get something out of that that is uh, helping you on your investing journey. And if infrastructure is something that you've been looking to put in your, to your portfolio, uh, hoping we've been able to break it down in a way that uh, is a bit more manageable and understandable for you. And if there's any of those Canadian pension funds out there that are looking for places to park some cash, um, hit us up. Yes, hit us <laughs> up. Yes. Uh, a reminder to everyone that we obviously do have uh, Comedian V Economist. We also have uh, Meet, Pay, Love and Get Started Investing in the Equity Mates Media Podcast Network. So if you're uh, looking for some more podcast uh I guess stuff to listen to. Go and go and listen to them <laughs> podcast stuff. That's not very good, is it? <laughs> what else would you be looking for podcasts podcast, for if you know. were trying to listen to them? <laughs> oh, as good well. question. Um, head to our website if you'd like more information, or you can hit us up with an email at contact at equitymates dot com. But uh, as always, uh, great to chat stocks, Ren, and uh, looking forward to next week. You've uh, you've nailed your tight intro. Uh, yeah, homework need, need for the week is tight outro. outro. <laughs> <laughs> need to work on that. But anyway, until uh, until then, uh, good to chat. Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. 
For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. 